It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Nothing like somebody clearing their throat before they go and come on the air. That's professional. Hey, kids, happy Monday to you. Welcome to the show. I am me. You are you. He is Jack, by the way, which we are eagerly anticipating at some point adding a camera so he can be a part of this because he's a huge part of this. Um, feel free to uh, leave comments, turn the music up, whatever you want. It's it's that kind of show today. Uh, leave comments and questions. Uh, Jack will uh, comb through them, uh, pick out the best ones. That's That feels like something at some point we're going to have to get a sponsor for and some sort of award for right like question of the day has that ever been done in in sports talk radio or anything like like a question of the day or a text of the day that that seems new cutting edge to me somehow jack that we would be starting something that has never been done before yeah i think we would uh, i think so that's that's this program it's all <laughs> it's never been done before none of it uh coming up on the show today uh by the way uh, we are an inclusive program. Everybody is welcome here, and we're broadcasting live from Treaty 7 territory. That is important because Saturday, uh, this coming Saturday, is Truth and Reconciliation Day, and I'm not sure if everybody's seen it, uh, but the Stampeders uh, have a, a new look for this Saturday. We'll get to that a little later on. Uh, Ryan Pike from uh, Flames Nation. The uh, <laughs> It's happened again. We're not even in 30 seconds in, and the light's out. Well, is it a battery, or is this one? Yeah, it's just these batteries. Like. Yeah. I don't, I don't know where they bought them. Like someone must have had a free sign outside their house for these batteries. And that's the ones we got. I don't know. It, it, they might be from my phone because they <laughs> last about as long as my phone. Poor Jack. Like I say, I just want a camera on Jack and how much, like nobody should have to work as hard to do two hours of, of podcasting as Jack does, but we'll get it fixed. Um, anyway, uh, I digress. Uh, I mentioned Ryan Pike's going to join us uh, from Flames Nation, the uh, managing editor. Uh, today is his mailbag column. Um, we'll get to the uh, the results last night as well. Uh, you know him, you'll love him from uh, for, uh, Flames Nation Citizen, which uh, will drop a new episode on Wednesday at 9 a.m. Lyle Peterman in, in studio today. So back to two guests. I don't know how regularly we'll be doing that. But speaking of regular scheduled guests, um, this is our final week with no Wednesday show. We are the last of all of the entertainment options, I suppose, to launch their fall schedule. We are back to three shows a week starting next week. Uh, Peter Marr will be joining us uh, next Wednesday. Eric DeHatchuk will join us a week from Friday. And, of course, Pike is our mainstay on Mondays. So we're getting the band back together. I, and it seems apropos. Um, last night at the Saddle Dome, they decided, why not? We may as well start the preseason. Um, and the... Uh, I don't want to be 
that guy. I don't want to be the buzzkill. I don't want to be the know-it-all. I don't want to be that guy. Um, it was... What I liked about last night in a 10-0 win over Vancouver. Well, let's first of all deal with the Canucks. That's the Canucks. That's what you get from Vancouver during the preseason. They barely ice a team legal. They have to have eight players that are considered NHL veterans. They barely did that. Um, now, having said that, the goaltender that the Flames obliterated uh, was, the, I believe, the MVP of the World Championships for Latvia. So he came in with a little bit of, uh, hell, he had Canucks equipment. So it wasn't like they were throwing, you know, an extra body in there. Um, but if this was a rodeo, if if last night's game was a rodeo, the Flames would have got a rewrite. That's how it would have worked. Um, the, the Cowboy was really good. The Bull was god-awful. Just awful. Having said all of that, I have done this long enough to have seen god-awful Bulls come into the Saddle Dome and stacked NHL teams barely squeak by or go through the motions. I was encouraged by the fact that it looked like what it was. An NHL caliber squad, because they're the home team, versus an ECHL caliber squad, or barely an AHL caliber squad. That's probably not fair. An AHL caliber squad. You should beat them, and you should beat them handily, and they did beat them handily. My barometer when it comes to this club and the preseason is the wins don't matter. The losses do. The wins don't matter. The losses do. If Calgary had lost that game 10-0 last night to that Vancouver team, we would have literally started this program with me setting my hair on fire, right? That's how this program would have began. Um, nobody in Vancouver, Rick Tockett, Patrick Alvin, Jim Rutherford, uh, all the way up to the owner of the team, a a Aquilini. There isn't a single person who lost sleep about last night, nor should they. Five Calgary Flames players recorded three or more points. That's what you want to see. You want Huberto to score. You want Kadri to get points. You want to see that. This, To me, they did what a good team is supposed to do. But that's it. Now it starts anew tonight with the famed doubleheader against the Kraken. Seattle here and, and Calgary in Seattle as well. Um, you split up the squads. Uh, Good-looking rosters. I don't, you know. I think Seattle's sending slightly, a slightly better. Their goaltending is better here tonight. I don't know how much the, the rest of the team is better, but their goaltending is better. But let me deal with the, the one. There was a couple things I took away from that game. Um, Klapka, Klapka, am I, clap? am I saying that right? Klapka? I believe so. Klapka. Adam Klapka? Klapka? Yeah. That's a big dude. He is a big dude. He could play forward for most NBA teams. That's a big dude. I'm, I mean, I knew he was big and I saw him in the American league, but man, he looked big. He can move. He's a big dude. Um, but let's deal with Matt Coronado. I, I sent out a tweet last night, could care less, just could care less about the hat trick, the opposition, the fact that it's early. Dude has an elite 
shot, an elite release. And Jack, we, we banned predictions around here, and rightfully so. But I don't feel as silly and as outrageous as the one that I did talk about a couple weeks ago, which is if he makes the team and things break the right way, this guy could be, you know, a big-time goal scorer. Like, he could be a rookie of the year candidate kind of thing. Not saying he will be, but he could be. I feel a lot better that Ryan Huska has actually taken the mantle a little bit because who did Huska drop last night in the post game? Who did he bring up and who did he mention? It was Austerly, wasn't it? No. Former Flame Brett Hall. Oh, okay. And talking yeah. about Coronado, I'll get to, you No, know, you're right. No, sorry. You are right. You are right. You are right. But when he was asked about Coronado, he talked about the release and he yeah. mentioned, like he said, the Brett Hulls of the world, not comparing him to Brett Hall, but saying the Brett Hulls of the world have the ability to shoot that puck from anywhere in any position. And that's awfully heady praise, but it comes from the coach. The coach has been a bit of a revelation. He's not chewing on words. He's not angry. He seems to smile a bit. He seems to engage. It's one game. It's one game. I will test, and I know he watches, so he'll do some homework on this. I am going to test one Ryan Pike when he joins us. I am trying to think of the last Flames rookie that came in and really, really wowed a training camp forward i think goudreau and monahan had good camps but i want to say this is almost like chuck kobasu you remember chuck kobasu when he was in Kelowna, and he came here and then he had that great training camp and that kind of rolled chuck kobasu into his nhl career does that sound about right to you yeah i think so chuck kobasu yeah okay I was thinking about this too. Like it, yeah. do, it has seemed like a long time since there's been a young player that the fans are like, everyone's super excited about Coronado. Well, Goudreau. Yeah. Goudreau. Goudreau and and, and oh, I think a long time ago. Is it? <laughs> it's 10 years ago. It's 10 years ago. Right. It's 10 years ago. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. That is, you know, Sam Bennett, you know, Berchi, who we had on a little while ago. Um, these guys came to camp, but, it was more like they got an assist. They were on the power play. They didn't look out of place. Dude dude scored three times against the guys probably in the, in the American Hockey League, but that's what he's supposed to do, right? So I think it's warranted. I think it's warranted. Like I say, score only matters if you lose in those games. A um, couple things. Uh, possible. So a couple years ago when Stockton played here, uh, during the uh, during the lockout, during COVID, Martin Pospisil saw him a little bit, and then he got hurt. And that's kind of been a thing that um, has dogged Pospisil a little bit, is that, you know, he hasn't been able to necessarily stay healthy. And that's not his fault. Injuries happen. He's a guy that I really noticed. I really liked him a lot when I saw him in the American Hockey League because he's a disturber, and he's got some skills. But he really, really, really likes getting underneath people's skin. Didn't see that last night from him. Hope he gets a little bit more of an opportunity. But now with Pelche and now with Coronado and now with Zary and now, you know, with this year's crop, Hanzik and others, 
the Pospisils and Emilio Petersons of the world. This is this is, and I would, I would almost say Adam Ruzicka. Now Ruzicka had three assists last night, and was plus three. Um, I would defer to those who were in the building. I hate scouting through television. I think televisions, you know, you miss some stuff. And and they were up so early, so much. You know, God God bless uh, Shorthouse and, and Tomlinson on the, the broadcast on Sportsnet. You know, they were really, you know, it's 5 nothing for Vancouver. They're really trying to grasp. For, wow, they're out shooting Calgary now. Yeah, but you're up 5 nothing. Exactly how early. I mean, they just kept scoring. So, I don't know. I, I was, was, was Ruzicka noticeable last night? Yeah, he had three points. But, you know, he's going to need to do more. Um, Sarangovich, or Sar, uh, am I saying that right? Serengovich, yeah, yeah. played up with um, Lindholm and, and Huberto. Huberto had a pair of goals. Uh, Serengovich, Lindholm had nothing. I don't, again, they're veterans. They've been around the league. I'm not worried about that. Kadri, Kadri's engaged. You have to say Kadri's engaged. And, and, and you brought it up, Jack. Like, good on Jordan, Jordan Osterley. Like, he's been in the league. He's new here. Oliver Shillington's not around. There's space on the blue line. He just went out and played. He got an ugly goal. He got a goal, whatever you want to say. He was noticeable. Coach called him out afterwards. Outstanding. But will he get that same, will he have that same impact game seven of the preseason? That's really what you got to look for. But um, Dennis Gilbert banged up. See if he comes back tonight. Or he's he's on the roster, but I don't think he's playing. I think Ryan actually reported that. Um, so the blue line, you know, becomes a bit of an issue now. If Gilbert's hurt, if you know Shillington's not ready to go, uh, you know, Osterley taking that opportunity. We will see. Um, Vladar is the goalie in, uh, at least the goalie of record in or name in uh, Seattle. Wolf will get the start here tonight. Uh, by the looks of it, so should be good. Markstrom, uh, I uh, he got a shutout, <laughs> you know, forty minutes, shut the door. But um, I think we're all again very aware of who and what the Vancouver Canucks were last night, and that's preseason hockey. Nobody's going to give you their best. Uh, you're not going to see McDavid and and Drysital on the road. If you do, it'll be one game. You're not going to see. Hughes and, and Pedersen and, and, you know, the rest of the, you know, gang from Vancouver on the road, unless it's for one game near the end. So take it for what it's worth. I liked it. Um, it's a nice start. What I'm really happy about is the fans of this team. And I, and this is the thing that I remember so often, especially doing post games, but even after that was, you know, yeah, they won or, Geez, they lost. Yeah, but it's just a preseason. I know. I know. At least you went away from the dome last night, entertained. At least you went from, away from the dome, going well. They, you know, it was a bad team they played. They beat them like they were a bad team, and that doesn't happen very often around here. Um, we shall see as the preseason goes on. Um, and <laughs> twenty-four hours from now, they'll be almost halfway through the preseason because they'll have three games done. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. A um, couple other things that I want to touch on. Um, let, let's go to the good and the bad with the the, the Stampeders. Oh, my gosh. Um, oh, my gosh. At home, Saturday afternoon, 
uh, turnovers killed them. Uh, just could not do enough. Um, Montreal 28, Calgary 11. The stamps dropped to four and 10, four games remaining. It's over. I think we all know it's over. Um, I guess you are now into evaluation mode. Um, you know, live from 55 is our, is up today. And I know Ian Busby was on with Danny Austin and I would, I would talk, you know, I would go listen to that for a, a far more in-depth um, version of, of what's going on with the Stampeders. But with four games to go, I think you have some questions. I think, um, it, I, I think it's fair, and, and Danny may jump down my throat on this, um, because I, I know he gets a little upset in this when we automatically defer to the quarterback. I think you have to have an honest, open conversation about whether or not Jake Mayer has taken enough steps forward. You know, what does he do in the last four games? How does he lead all those sort of things? I have no concern about the general manager. I have no concern who is also the head coach. Um, Would not surprise me if we see a Mark Killam leave the organization to go somewhere as a head coach. I think that's a conversation that's been had. And and I'm I'm only saying that because he deserves the opportunity. He's earned that opportunity. So with that said, uh, Calgary back at it on Saturday. And this is the exciting part for me. Um, We also had the unveiling of uh, a Truth and Reconciliation logo for, um, you know, for the Stampeders. Um, It's designed by Jacob Alexis and Richard Running Rabbit, who are the men responsible for the iconic Every Child Matters jersey with the Calgary Hitman, which... I'm very, very, very proud of, and had a, a, a small part to play in that. Um, also, uh, this past year, the Calgary Flames uh, wore a warm-up jersey um, honoring the Tree Seven Nations. Had a ceremony prior to the game, uh, and the that was a, a version of Blasty um, as the logo there. And now this one. So this is the iconic Stampeders logo, but again. Um, and I love this graphic. You get it on the Stampeders. It walks you all the way through it. Um, Blackfoot people are a uh, are a, uh, a horse people. So, um, you know, and they're part of Treaty 7. They're not all of, all of Treaty 7. But very much taking the iconic pony and, and, and adding the right accoutrements to it. Um, very excited to see what the Stampeders have up their sleeves in terms of the ceremonial compor- component of this. Um, there is a braid that has been included on the helmet, which I think is very, very important. Um, All of this uh, goes on Saturday, which is Truth and Reconciliation Day, uh, which has become a very important date on the calendar. So uh, I do tip my hat to Dr. Tyler White, friend of the program, former guest of the program, and I'm sure he'll be a guest again in the future. He also has his fingerprints on this. And if I'm, if I'm not telling tales out of school or if we can just keep it between us people here on this show, um, He's been sharing bits and pieces of this project with me for a while now, and he's very, very proud of it. Um, and they, they should be. Um, I thought that the the Elks did a really nice job earlier in the year, uh, and I've met that artist up there too. And um, I thought they did a really nice rendition. And I really, really like this one too. Uh, and I know that my our good friend, Vice President of Retail, and our wrestling insider, uh, Brent Gibbs, uh, they have um, merchandise, jer- uh, sweatshirts and and things uh so that if you if you do like this and you want to support it proceeds going to help uh 
Treaty 7 charities. Uh, you can certainly pick that up at the Stamp Store. So kudos to uh, the Stampeders. The other football team in Calgary, the Cavalry, they did it. Arguably one of the most successful franchises since the launch of the CPL. Um, and they added to that with another regular season win. So the Canadian Premier League Shield, winners of the uh, of the regular season. And I know that we're a culture that it's what have you done for me in the playoffs, but football, and I'm going to call it that because that's what it is, across the world has always done a better job of honoring, I think, the accomplishments, the different tournaments, the different um, shields or the different cups or the different derbies. Um, and in this case, uh, Tommy Wielden Jr. and his team have done an amazing job. Um, they shut out York on the road 1-0. They are seven points clear. What is this? Where did this come from? We found this on Twitter this morning. It's Tommy. Oh, no, I know exactly who it is. I just wondered if Tommy had sent this in. (laughs) My assumption is Tommy has this in his house, right? When you go in, this is what you see. This is the gaffer. Does he know this? I wonder if he knows this. Which did we find it on their Twitter or a Twitter? I think it was just some random okay. uh, Cavs fan on their Twitter there. So I, I, I love gonna... that. <laughs> I love that. Oh my! So the next time we get Tommy on, that's that's what we're, we won't even show him. He can talk underneath that. That's fantastic. <laughs> I love it. Good job. So Tommy Wheelton Jr. and the Cavalry. Home and clear. They have won the regular season, but they will tell you. I, I mean, here I am, you know, pontificating about the, the meaning of regular season titles, et cetera, et cetera. They'll tell you that they want to win that they want to win the league. But I believe this now opens them up uh to uh CONCAF club team championships that I believe they now represent the CPL in some uh, CONCAF uh, events next year. So we might see some real crazy wild teams from Central America or South America up here playing the Cavalry and home-to-homes. That's That, I think, is rather exciting. Uh, briefly, I uh, do need to touch on this. Uh, I should have started. We always should start the show in a somber mode and, and recognize those uh, who are suffering. So all of you Denver Bronco fans, um, I'm feeling for you. Um, wow. The first time since the 60s that a team has put 70 points up on the board in a regular season game in the NFL. Not since Washington did it way back in the 60s. Miami, they did it. Um, They beat the living bejesus out of the Denver Broncos, who are now 0-3. It was a weird day in the NFL, but I think every once in a while you get those. There were... Uh, no shortage of games that weren't really close, that weren't really close. Um, and, you know, and maybe one of the most shocking, at least to me, was te- the Texans going in and beating Jacksonville in Jacksonville by 20-plus points. Um, Dallas comes crashing back down to earth, losing to Arizona. Um, but Miami, holy crap. You remember when... They were going to get Tom Brady because they didn't trust Tua. Yep. And then they and, and they were going to weren't they in on well maybe they'll get Jimmy Garoppolo. Maybe maybe they'll get like and I know 70 points isn't just on one guy. I know it's not on just Tua. 
but I sure hope they take care of this guy better than they did last year. Man. <laughs> like he's, he's legit. He's awesome. Isn't he? He's got to be the front runner for MVP right now. Right. I, assume. I think so. I think so. But they were trying to run him off. Yeah, they were. I, I they wanted to bring in Brady. They wanted to bring in Sean Payton to coach. That's right. My, Mike McDaniel is awesome coach. I yeah. love him. Yeah. Well, Hey, listen, full marks. Um, I guess between legitimately between them and San Francisco right now. Yeah. Those are probably your top, top two. two. I know there's some probably fans of other teams that felt like they should. I know who's not in that group. Cincinnati. Who's worse. The bears or the Broncos. And they play this weekend. Oh, the turtle derby. Um, I think the Justin Fields right now is probably a better option than Russell Wilson, but I wonder if Russell Wilson doesn't have better options than Justin Fields. Does yeah, that make sense? Yeah, I'm kind of on the, the same thing there. I, uh, I an interesting game. I don't think many people will watch it, but well, that was it's kind not exactly the same, but kind of the same version as the Jets and the Patriots this weekend, wasn't it? Yeah. Like, oh my God, Bill Belichick may drop to O and three. But, you know, Zach Wilson's still in the league, so anything can happen. Um, it's, you know, I don't know. I, um, you know, it was a fun weekend in the CFL, it was a f different weekend in the NFL. Um, uh, for those who partake and those who, who, um, uh, take a wager, place a wager, whatever. I, I wonder what this weekend was like for gamblers. I, I, just because of all the blowouts, right. Just because of all the, well, the Broncos will hold them within 14, right. <laughs> and the Cowboys will beat yeah, the well, Cardinals the by well, 14. Well, exactly. No. Right. It, it's just, it was, Hey, listen, those things are absolutely, <laughs> those things are absolutely. Oh, and we might be the only, um, the only sports talk entity in all of North America that didn't lead with this today. Uh, but did you see who was at the chiefs game? Did you, did you see who? Yeah. 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 Now better than that. Ask me if I can name a Taylor Swift song because I don't think I can, <laughs> but Holy cow. Uh, say what you will about her, but she commands the attention on social media. Doesn't she? Like the minute she appeared on on screen, holy cow! Yeah, and she has just a crazy following. Like I'm sure all oh, yeah. all her fans are watching this game that have never watched football before, just because she's on TV. Sure, and they kept showing her like so many times. Right? Wouldn't you? I mean, I mean yeah. it's the one. I'm trying to think of the one person that could add eyeballs to an NFL game. She's definitely one of them, right? She's definitely one of them. To your point. Uh, now, is there a connection? This is where I really, you know, I do the gray beard really kind of suits me for this next question. I is she connected to Travis Kelsey or was that just somebody's concoction yesterday? Like, like I, I, you know, there's usually a, oh, and she's, you know, dating. The, all I know about Taylor Swift is you date her, she dumps you, and then she writes a song about you. Right? Is that is that, that not that, how this that's works? That's pretty much the story. Okay. Yeah. So, is there a Travis Kelsey song on the on the horizon? Is that what we're thinking? I mean, yeah. I, it, it's safe to assume eventually there will be. Maybe they maybe they're life partners. So I don't. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. Did you see the pictures of them um, after the game? No, I didn't. All I saw, I just saw the one picture of her 
was a screen capture of her that the TV showed in the booth, right? Yeah. That's it. That's all I saw. There was uh he was driving around in his old car hood down and they were just cruising through Kansas together. I'll try to find this. Oh, she thing. was with him. Yeah, after the game. I was asking car. you. I thought that I'm just I didn't know. So that that's a legitimate thing. Oh, they yeah, they are dating, apparently. They're dating. Yes. They all were right. seen this is, leaving together. This is why you tune into just a game because you will not get this. Well, you get this everywhere else, actually. I'm the only person that didn't know it. Okay, so they were cruising around. Okay, so there is a song forthcoming. Yes. Okay. You fumbled my heart. There you go. It's a start. Have at her, right? Flea flicker of love. Could you write that? How about that one? Right? <laughs> I. There has to be something about tight end. Anyway, now we have gone officially off off the uh off the deep end um yeah all right <clears throat> okay uh back to hockey we go uh we will be joined uh, momentarily uh by lyle peterman he's going to join us the alberta junior hockey league showcase uh is underway in about five minutes not <laughs> lyle's gonna be here in five minutes the showcase itself doesn't start till wednesday i don't want anybody running out and and uh, and getting to Max Bell too early, so Lyle will join us in about five minutes. Uh, and then coming up, we will check in with Ryan Pike. Um, Flames open the uh, preseason with a ten nothing win over uh, Vancouver. It's easy; should never lose again. Um, that would be my sentiment to all of this. Uh, they played two against the Kraken. Um, I don't. I don't know. I. I, I don't know. It seems a little pointless to rail against this. It seems a little pointless to go, I don't know why they do this. They do it. Um, they used to do, it used to be the first game, which, okay, you know, I get that. Now it's the second and third game, well, I guess. Um, as we all know, when it comes to the preseason, it's that fifth, six, if you're playing seven, or if you're playing eight, six, seven. I think it's those, it's the, uh, the penultimate games are the ones where you get the bigger roster, usually your home game, you know, maybe your final home game, or your second to last final home game, you put up your NHL roster, your starter gets a, a go at it and, and away you go. Um, you know, the, the enthusiasm around this team is, is infectious right now. It's fun. Lots of smiles, lots of jokes. Saw it again today. Uh, Jacob Pelche, uh, sorry. Uh, uh, yeah, Jacob Pelche with the the joke. I was I was confusing it with uh, Poirier. Pelche with the joke today about this coach and the last coach. It's light. It's lighthearted. Um, you know, I but don't read don't read too much into it. I um I, I guess it would have been the eleven twelve season. I think the Flames ran the table. Um, you know, in the preseason and and um maybe it was a little later than that. But I thought it was a Brent Sutter team that ran the table in the, in the preseason and. You know, Peter Marr went on to do the NHL Insider and and basically said, you know, this bodes well. No Flames team that's run the table on the preseason has never missed the playoffs. And matter of fact, they've, you know, done this, this, and this. And, and of course, they missed the playoffs that year. So, um, you know, what you get out of preseason is what you put into preseason. I think the recipe was, was really laid by uh, Craig Conroy uh, right from day one from his opening um, – you know, news conference, it was about letting the young players, he felt like the young players needed opportunities. He's given the young players opportunities. Um, there's, I think, one player on a PTO, but that's an American Hockey League player on a PTO. Um, you know, they put the kids in the roster, in the, into the game last night. They put the games, put the kids in the game tonight. 
we got a question asked to us about uh, Adam Rzichka. Rzichka's playing, you know, with Kadri and Dubé and, you know, that line combined, if, if you will, for nine points last night. Like, uh, you know, put the kids in a position to play, I thought. Uh, you know, uh, Coronado found a way to impact the, the score the score sheet. Um, I'm excited to see Dustin Wolf. Uh, hopefully he'll get some, you know, a little bit harder work tonight. Um, you know, you have the goaltending one, and we'll talk about it with Ryan, but the goaltending one remains interesting. Is how is that time shift going to split? Markstrom was going to need your, he's your starter. So he needs whatever he needs to get going. And then Vladar and, and Wolf get the rest. Um, so be interesting to see, you know, who gets what I am. I'll, maybe, I don't know. I guess Vladar you need because he's, you know, you need X amount of NHL or X amount of games going out uh, to, to Seattle. So I suppose that's why he's going. I'm a little surprised it's not Wolf going the other way, but here we are. And everybody else, by the way, um, the we haven't talked at all about the NHL global down in uh, in uh, um, in uh, in Australia, Rod Laver Arena. Uh, split series between Arizona and the Kings. Uh, you might have seen some of that on your television really late at night. Um, clearly, the the lighting wasn't you know perfect down there. Uh, didn't you know didn't look like an NHL arena f- from a lighting perspective. But the crowds were awesome. The crowds were into it. Um, you know, a couple of people made the same uh, observation. If you watch that game, it was fun trying to pick out all the jerseys in the crowd, but everybody was represented. There was lots of Flames jerseys down there. Uh, but I have a sneaking suspicion that you're going to see the NHL back in Australia. Now, it'll the the ta- the test will be a little bit like when the Flames went to China. What's the return like? You know, what's it like to to come back? How quickly can you get back up to speed? How does it impact the rest of your that's the part of this that I think we have to watch for is that teams that come back from the, even the European vacations or trips, whatever you want to call them, um, you know, they squeeze in there and, and, uh, and if they come back and they lose, it wasn't a great thing. If they come back and they win, nobody talks about it, but Australia is a long trip. Uh, you know, the two of the teams that would have been the shortest for were Arizona and, and Los Angeles, yet they, uh, they still had to travel. Um, it was, I thought odd that they took as many um or like they the announcer at least at, over my television it sure seemed like he was Arizona's announcer or LA's announcer uh didn't seem like they used um locals uh but that said you know it it, it was another opportunity as NHL continues to wave its flag across the world. All right, coming up in a little while, Ryan Pike, managing editor of Flames Nation, will join us. But right now, courtesy of our good friends at Ski Seller Snowboard, we should do this. We should look at the Ski Seller Snowboard website because it's skisellersnowboard.com and there's lots on there. They'll remind you that their Boness and McLeod stores are now open, the 17th Avenue and Windsport stores will open a little bit uh, later on in the fall. But they've got all kinds of deals right now on boots, on skis on jackets that's the other part of this winter's right around the corner and boy there's some really cool looks for 23 24 snowboards in there as well 
They've been an institution in the city of Calgary for 76 years, soon to be 77 years. There's nobody you can trust more when it comes to skis, snowboards, and snow skating than ski seller, snowboard, ski seller, snowboard.com. Very pleased to have join us a member of the Flames Nation family. Lyle Peterman is here. Flames Nation citizen will drop at nine o'clock on Wednesday, but uh, welcome, Lyle. You are uh, here with uh, wearing another hat today now well, help me shirt. got well okay <laughs> with a golf shirt um you're you're part of the calgary canucks organizing committee for the uh, ajhl showcase yeah i've had the uh, privilege of a uh, chairing this committee okay in the last few months here well i guess close to a year since we got awarded the event so it's coming it it is Ooh. um these are new for me at least in my experience in junior a we didn't have these in the shhl or the ajhl in my time but that's decades ago yeah tell me uh, for those in, in the audience that may not know give us a rundown of what a showcase is it's essentially a regular season tournament so 16 games 16 teams all in one city gives a chance for scouts to early on in the year fly in from across north america we have uh, every nhl team represented most of the big schools as well mm -hmm. Um, it's a great chance for fans too to meet, uh, see all their all their teams up close, and for the city of Calgary really to showcase the league. It's a uh, a league that's been here for a long time, yep. but sometimes doesn't quite get the same attention. So it's kind of cool to showcase that. Not to mention people in the city come from across the province. So maybe you're from Fort McMurray, come see your uh, your old team from your old town, that kind of thing as well. You mentioned it's a, is it a, a a real tournament or is it just Regular season games. That's the part that yeah. confuses me. It is a regular season. Okay. They call it a tournament in a sense because kind of that style. But uh, yeah, it's but a there's no championship. No, right? there's not. Yeah. So okay. Everyone gets a home and an away game. So two games each. And they get to stay in Calgary for the night. Get to go experience some NHL hockey, that kind of thing. So kind of a bit of a tournament format for these kids, but both just uh, regular season. The uh, champion gets four points. So tell us a little bit about what goes into bringing this to Calgary. Well, first of all, there's a bid process. So the league looks at all the cities, uh, everyone who wants to. There was three who went forward this year. Yep. And uh, all the governors, the teams, uh, vote on where they want to where they want to go. Our bid process included tourism, Calgary. Um, they helped a huge amount to mm -hmm. really showcase what this city is. And then, uh, yeah, go through the bid process. Once that's all done, it was all planning from there. It's it's expensive. Hotels are more are kind of up there in price. Um, everything from food, feeding the scouts, feeding the players. So a little bit of planning goes into it. Yep. But uh, yeah, it's been a fun, fun process. Since we got it, sponsors have stepped up pretty big. Mm -hmm. We've brought a Nutrien. There are, uh, our, I guess we'll call it their title sponsorship. Um, and a few other big companies across Calgary too. So by the time the puck drops, it should be a financially successful event, but also we're excited to really fill the Max Bell Center as well. So tell me a little bit about that part, uh, because the schedules, uh, again, for regular hockey watchers, is a little odd because it gets yep. going early, right? Uh, 11 a.m., 11, yeah. 2, 5, and 8. So we'll have 12 hours a day of hockey action. Um, and then, yeah, going back to your other question, too, we wanted to really bring in more of Calgary to this showcase as well. So mm -hmm. every intermission, a different local artist will be performing. I think we have over a dozen um, yep. on the ranch mint stage, we're calling it. Yep. So rather than just watch that Zamboni go around or listen to the same old tunes over and over, we're going to have some some live music that way as well. Um, Friday, it's a pretty exciting day. We're partnered with Six Sick a Nation. We're going to be doing a Truth and Reconciliation Day, calling it a celebration of caring, basically starting a relationship off between 
us and their nation. Yep. Uh, the game will start with like 15 dancers, four drummers, uh, some hoop dancers, and really kind of bring that all together. The next day is, is formally a Truth and Reconciliation yep. Day on Saturday. We didn't want to over, we know we are playing on that day, but we didn't want to overstep that with their more meaningful celebrations. So we're going to do our own version of that on Friday. That's pretty exciting. We're also launching a special jersey that day for the Canucks, which will be pretty unique. It's designed by an artist out there in Siksika, So Well, yeah, I mean, it's we were talking about the Stampeders. It's the the same artist. It's Richard Running Rabbit and and Absolutely, Alexis yeah. and yeah. and uh, Dr. Tyler White. So I mean, they've they've had a hand in this, and uh, I, I've seen the tournament logo. So I'm I'm excited yep. to see the jersey, and I I also know that at some point there's uh, I think believe are you not playing games out there? We are. It's going to be released. That's a secret. It's getting out there early. Oh, uh, we will release that. Jack, scrub that. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> okay, privileged information. Ah, uh, sometimes. Ah, that's full okay. Of stuff. It's it's going to come out soon enough. It's yeah. coming out Friday. But yeah, we are going to be moving a regular season game, and I believe it'll be their first regular season game played at the Deerfoot Sportsplex. So that's kind of exciting. They've had lots of WHL preseason yep. action, but yep. it's it's a cool thing. We're also going to be launching um hockey schools with with their youth. Uh, coming into the city, working with our players for an afternoon. And uh, we have buses coming from Siksika to Max Bell that day, this Friday coming up. So it's a cool relationship. Um, we're trying to really grassroots it. So with the folks like Richard Running Rabbit and and Jody from Siksika, they're, they've really been involved from day one of planning. Yep. It's not just a, you know, we're going to say it's truth and reconciliation and and uh well give ourselves a pat in the back it's yeah gonna be, it's gonna be meaningful in the end yeah it can't be box checking yeah and too much box checking goes on in sport uh well look what we've done totally uh, it has to be meaningful it has to have action it has to have you know heart and soul behind it so excited to hear you doing that um you mentioned the artists what other types of that that's showing visitors calgary what about the players what kind of player experience are they getting players will have a top-notch experience so uh first of all some of these smaller centers they don't quite have the same access mm -hmm. to team meals they might be stuck at some more generic restaurants i'm not going to name them or anything mm -hmm. but uh we have some terror oh, i've been to bonnieville <laughs> there you go we have some terror market who has stepped up huge they're going to feed our scouts and our players uh they are also going to get really cool swag bags getting here um, the renovations at Max Bell for the visitor side, really nice rooms yep. now across the league. So yep. they're going to get that. Uh, and they're just going to get a outstanding experience. Uh, the Flames have stepped up too. They're going to give them a ticket to either one of the next two preseason games. So they'll get to go out, watch the NHL action. And uh, yeah, the other fun thing, some of the players will get experience is Tuesday night. And that is an evening with legends, which is going to be uh, probably the biggest banquet the Canucks ever put on. Mm -hmm. Over 800 people attending. Uh, Mark Messier, Lana McDonald are going to be speaking. I think it's Gord Miller of uh, TSN. Gord Miller or Gord Miller? No, it's Gord Miller. Gord Miller? Yeah, Perfect. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he'll be kind of hosting the hostel lounge style for that. So that's going to be kind of cool too. Our players will attend. A few of their teams are coming. And uh, yeah, really kind of lean into a few things. I mean, one, it's the 60th anniversary of the AJHL. Yep. It's the 52nd year of Calgary Canucks hockey here in yep. Calgary. So just trying to bring back a little bit of the history and uh, and really understand or for the general hockey fan in the city just to know what type of players come out of this league in the past so tell me a little bit about how you are honoring the history because you, you're right i mean i was uh you know i was here in 95 when uh, the fort mcgraw oil barons and the uh, canucks uh battled for the centennial cup which i believe is the last time that 
Calgary Canucks won a Centennial Cup. Um, I believe you're right. Don, yeah. You know, are the likes of Donnie Phelps and others going to be around this event? I believe so. Yeah, lots of uh, Canucks alumni coming out. Um, we're going to celebrate it throughout the the tournament. We've got some history tables set up. We're going to showcase all the team's history uh, through some video present presentations and stuff like that. Yep. Um, yeah, really kind of leaning back into that. The the Canucks had their big celebration of the 50th year. It kind of got coveted a little bit. Yeah, it kind of did. Yeah, so we had a really good team that year too. Actually, uh, yeah, we're playing well against Brooks in those closed closed door yep. series. But uh, the yeah, this is kind of our our chance to really celebrate the 50 the half century. Um, it is two seasons later, but that is what it is. So for the Canucks players themselves, what's the experience? I mean, there's an old adage in, in broadcasting that you never want to cover you never want to cover the briar in your own town. Yeah, uh, that it's always you know uh, my biggest disappointment was the only Royal Bank Cup that I was with a team that went to was Yorkton, an hour and a half away. Yeah, I didn't get to go to Atlanta, Canada, or BC or someplace like that. What about for your players? How do you make sure that they get benefit out of this event? Oh, I think they're going to have some fun dressing room visitors over the next couple of days. Uh, so they'll get some up close and personal time with some hockey legends. And really, same thing. We're just going to be feeding them well the entire time. They're actually working today. We've got our uh, U18 showcase kicking off today and tomorrow at the Max Bell, and I guess Wednesday morning as well. Right. Um, so we're, we're putting them to work early on, going back to not wanting to host or be at your own briar. But yep. we'll make sure they, they feel well-treated during the showcase itself. Hoping to have two really good crowds. Um, ticket sales are going really well for the Wednesday, Friday. So, you know, giving them that atmosphere they deserve in this city will be, mm -hmm. will be fun. Um, you know, with the music pumping and and the crowd in there, minor hockey involvement. And then, I guess, just uh, letting them showcase their facility. I mean, everything's been renovated in that building. We now have a brand new gym facility. They get to take through young players, tour them through what they get to go through. And the last couple of years have really been... A, I'd say a turning point in Canucks organizational speaking. One, we've we've found massive ways to increase our budget to be more competitive, and two, just putting more emphasis into our facilities when we have here. The teams that are coming up, like Brooks and Blackfolds, they have these private gyms, they have mm -hmm. all these different amenities, these player meeting rooms, and we're starting to get that too now. So to allow our players to show that off to the young ones and also to the rest of the league. We're pretty excited about that. So from a league perspective, uh, Ryan and his staff, what will they be doing at this event? Are they, are there uh, coaching conferences? Are there, do they take the opportunity this is a rare opportunity to have almost everybody in the same house at the same time? Yeah. You know, well, this is a, my first time sharing this. So I don't know what Ryan's going to do. I've been involved with him once a week planning and yeah. stuff for this. It's a league event too. Yep. Um, but I think they'll be mostly just hosting the scouts too, making sure that any questions are answered about what the AGHL is, who our who our top prospects are, right. and really just creating those relationships to make sure that when these leagues are considering where to spend their time scouting, yep. they're at more than just the showcase games. Um, this is a great chance for them to see all all the players at one time, but it's it's September still. These players will develop a lot more throughout the year. And we see these scouts check into our games. We're lucky with the, with the Canucks because we have an international airport right here. So we do see probably a higher percentage of scouts mm -hmm. than most of the towns do. Mm -hmm. They might not always be there for the Canucks players necessarily, but yep. they're here to watch the games, right? So really get them introduced, um, ask, answer any questions. I think a lot of hosting will be his job. And uh, Ryan's done an excellent job of really telling this league story and making sure that it's it's always kind of in the forefront of the scouting community. 
I mean, one thing that's helped too is programs like Brooks who consistently bring yep. home national championships. And um, I think the league as a whole is looking to not just be a one trick pony, but to uh, really become more competitive. And when you get to that final weekend or final series, maybe mix up some teams as well, right? That's, yeah. that's important. Yep. Um, the big thing that's changed this year, we have moved to one division. So I think that's going to be a big stepping uh, steps on forward for the league. You're not going to have to play the same divisional team seven, eight times a year. You're going to have way more chance to see every player across more chance for these, uh, these players to get a variety of game plans going, not sure. just have to play the same group. So it's, it's been exciting to see how the uh, 16 team division will work out, but I, I'm not, I'm probably not as, as tapped into the, the, the prospect pool as I used to be, but are there uh, specific NHL prospects that are going to be skating in this, in this showcase that we should be aware of? There are quite a few, but honest to gosh, I, uh, I, I don't yeah. have that list in front of me either right now. My focus has heavily been on the, uh, the, the execution of the actual event itself right now booking hotel rooms and yeah no else. i i get that um, and, and part of the reason for a showcase like this will also be helping central scouting yeah. and others to generate the the watch lists and the yeah and the first draft so this will there'll be a lot of that there are definitely um guys on that list that are coming into this uh nhl central scouting too they they'll do all the heights and measurements on yep. day one as well so they'll get a chance to really really get to know all the players see where they're at this season because you're right these kids are 16 to 21 yep they can change a lot in the course of a year or two so it's always good to check back in okay and so i, I just before i let you go uh you mentioned an, a u18 showcase yeah so what is and who is involved in that so the u18 showcase is all the quadrant teams yep. um a few other i'm not sure there's a saskatchewan team in there as well basically this was an initiative from our board of directors to say okay we're hosting this event why don't we give an excuse for our scouts to come a little bit early in our city, yep. stay a few extra nights. So this is U18 AAA. Um, it's kicking off this afternoon. I believe the first game's at 2 or 3 p.m. Okay. You can watch all those games on HN Live. It's being broadcast as well. But uh, yeah, it, it's a great chance too for, to outreach to our quadrant teams, which was uh, a big thing. We want to make sure with all these changes the Canucks are doing and this, this pivot to becoming a more, um, let's just, be blunt, a more competitive team in the mm -hmm. EJHL. We need to have a better in path with our local Calgary players. We want this team to be 90% Calgary born and raised. Yep. And that starts with showcases like this. Give these uh, U18 teams a, a chance to play in front of scouts, give them a chance to play an organized tournament uh, before their preseason start. And that's exactly what we did with this one. You also mentioned that tomorrow night there is a, a dinner. Are, is that sold out? Are there tickets still available? Or? So, so it was sold out. However, uh, the Flames tweeted it a little bit later than we'd planned. So we've opened up some seats. We're lucky that it's a uh, it's a big venue. So okay. I believe there's over 800 sold, but we have room to go up to 1,000. So there are some seats available. Okay, That's on the Calgary Canucks website, calgarycanucks.ca. Okay. Uh, that evening will kick off at 6 p.m. tomorrow. Uh, you can either purchase a table or individual tickets, but it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty cool. Um, sport for Calgary, part of the proceeds goes towards them, and then of course the other part is is the Calgary Canucks. And that's one thing I'll say is we are still a nonprofit, community-owned team. We're ran by a board of directors and heavily off the backs of volunteers. I have over 82 volunteers helping to bring the showcase over the next three days, and we have a team of about 25 that really ice our team all year long. So. We're, there's not many of those teams left in this league. A lot of them are private owned now. We're yep. a mixture. So it's uh, we're preserving that. And it's almost gone away a few times, but we've fought to really keep it that way and not just keep it that way, but get back to being competitive. 
And tournament passes or, or game day tickets, where can people get those? Yeah, calgaryconnects.ca or tickets.calgaryconnects.ca. And everything is done by a day pass, a bunch of the max tournaments. So buy a day pass to get all four games, or you can buy a tournament pass still as well for all four. Uh, like I said, it's Wednesday to Saturday, four games a day, 11 to 5 and 8. Uh, the two Canucks games to focus back on were Wednesday and Friday. Mm-hmm. So both of ours, we play a lot of family-friendly times at 5 p.m., that way, it's just an easy time to get the kids back to bed and everything. We yep. wanted to be a little bit different than the Flames hitmen in their their time zone. So um, both our games are at 5. Wednesday, we're taking the Canmore Eagles on, which we just uh, downed them on the weekend here on Sunday. And then on Friday, Drayton Valley Thunder. And that's that uh, celebration of carrying with Sixika Nation. So both those two games will be hopefully some, some good crowds and great atmosphere, the Max Bell. Outstanding. Congratulations, Lyle, on, on to you and your board for getting this done. Uh, best of luck this week. I know you guys will knock it out of the park. So thanks for spending some time. And again, uh, Flames Nation Citizen drops on nine at 9 a.m. on Wednesday. Oh. So thanks for doing this. Awesome. Thanks, Rob. There you go. Lyle Peterman joining us, courtesy of Ski Cellars Snowboard. Two locations, Bonus and McLeod, open right now for all the latest in skis, snowboards, clothing, whatever you need. But most importantly, the expertise to get out there and make your time in the mountains credible, fun, and everlasting. Go to Ski Seller Snowboard, skisellersnowboard.com. A reminder, we are live in the Oodle Noodle studio. We haven't talked enough about our friends from Oodle Noodle. Uh, word on the street is there could be another location popping up here real quick. So really excited about that. Um, but also a great opportunity uh, for you. And there is a location in Airdrie as well for you to pop in and grab dinner when you Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You need it. Uh, speaking of Ski Seller Snowboard and skisellersnowboard.com, they bring us our next guest as we go from one to another, stay in the world of hockey. Uh, mentioned 77 years here in Calgary, skisellersnowboard.com. He is the managing editor of flamesnation.com. Ryan, days uh, here. And uh, well, this is an easy one to do, Ryan. They, uh, they may never lose again. 
10 uh, nothing win over Vancouver. Um, it's easy. They, they've proven it can be easy. And here we go. Well, I mean, you know, they're, they're playing a team that uh, on paper was going to be outmatched. I mean, uh, <laughs> on paper on, I mean, all due respect to the, the, the Vancouver Canucks organization. I mean, uh, they essentially brought the Abbotsford Canucks and instead of the Flames countering with the Calgary Wranglers, they countered with a yep. good chunk of the NHL roster. And, you know, uh, the Flames, you know, in Penticton, the Flames lost 7-1 to a Vancouver Canucks prospect group that was pretty heavy on AHL bodies. And the, 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 the Flames uh, opted to bring uh, a group to Penticton that was light on AHL bodies and it was very one-sided and so I guess turnabout is fair play as, I guess. Uh, as they say and you know yeah it was, it was one of those things where if you're a, a flame supporter or or you know sitting up with Craig Conroy in the in the manager's box you look at that game and go well I mean you're not gonna you know what can you take away from it outside of the fact that you know they they were given an assignment yep. and they thoroughly passed that assignment and then they you know, hit the reset button and uh, play two games at once on uh, on Monday. Yep. Well, but you and I, and I said this off the top, you and I have done this long enough to know that there are op- options or there have been games like this, that it has not been as one-sided as it should have been, right? That they slept, walked through it, or they allowed the, the you know, the, the Canucks. The Canucks just never ice good teams on the road in the preseason just don't no nobody does it's the preseason yeah i, mean, I think there's it, teams i think there's other teams that yeah, half-heartedly try but the canucks are the worst yeah G- right? generally speaking so so the 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 wink wink nudge nudge yeah. uh, is, uh let, tell it let's let's call a spade a spade here uh there's a the nhl has a rule the eight yep. veterans rule the eight veterans rule is uh very, very uh, flimsily enforced early in the preseason because mm-hmm. early in the preseason you will have teams like here's an example: uh, the Calgary Hitmen or the Calgary Flames, rather. The Flames have 64 players in camp. The Seattle Kraken have 59. Uh, between the two of them, they're each you know bringing 40 bodies to a preseason game or the other, uh, and so they have the ability. If you if you look at the rosters that the the Seattle Kraken are bringing to the their two games, they have a, a fair chunk of their initial roster that's just not going to be playing. And early in the camps, you can do that because sure. you have tons of bodies. And let's be honest, if you're if you're coming to camp with a nagging injury, you're coming into camp with a nagging injury. Uh, yep. Last year at this time, the Flames were missing, I think, something like six or seven guys because they were easing guys in, you know, for various reasons. Jacob Markstrom, you know, he he was working through an injury from uh, from the summer last yep. year. And, you know, he, he they were going to be playing a lot, so they didn't really lean on him too much in the preseason. You can get away with that in the first week of the preseason. When you got, four, you know, 30 guys in camp, it's a little bit harder. And so right. the NHL tends to crack down on things in the back half of camps and say, hey, guys, you can't hide your good players by carrying too many bodies in the back half of camp. First half of camp, they sort of – you can get away with a few things you probably mm-hmm. shouldn't on paper. But, uh, yeah, I'd say the the – the wink wink of everything is typically speaking. Uh, and we, we saw this last year, the, the flames and the Canucks uh, this time last year opened with a, a split squad set and the flames sent PTOs and rookies yep. and the Canucks sent here PTOs and rookies. That's yep. just how it goes. You, yep. you know, if you can, if there's a, your, your NHL players go through enough travel and short notice travel during a regular season that you probably don't ask them in September 
hey, can you fly to Winnipeg and back in a day? Hey, can you fly to Vancouver and back? You can get away with it a couple times. Like, again, you know, later, late in camp, you have the games you have and you got to use them. But, you know, in the front half of the, se- the front half of the preseason, you want to you want to save your bullets, so to speak. So Agreed. rather than rather than sending Michael Backlund uh, at 34 years old to Seattle and then back in the same day, he's he's going to be playing here. And that's not unexpected, uh, nor is it out of uh, nope. out of what the norm is basically league wide at this point in the preseason. So a couple things that, that come out of that game. I, I think I take my cues from Ryan Huska, um, you know, with Oliver Shillington not cleared. Um, and later on, you know, Dennis Gilbert gets hurt. Uh, Jordan Osterley stood out. He stood out for the coach. It's everything you just talked about. You know, you can not stand out. You can just go about your business and be ready. We've seen that movie before, but good on him. Uh, there's an opportunity here for him. Yeah, I mean, you know, the Oliver Shillington situation is what it is. He's, mm-hmm. you know, we, we we don't know a lot about outside of, I think everyone's hoping that uh, whatever he is dealing with right now gets resolved because he's a hell of a hockey player. But, sure. you know, Huska mentioned this on the opening day of camp, but he was asked sort of about the, the situation sort of and the ramifications for other players. If you're Jordan Osterley, I mean, Jordan Osterley was going to be paid $925,000 to come to Calgary and probably be the seventh. And now potentially he has the opportunity to be more than a seven. And for a guy that's sort of been, you know, he's, you know, what, 30 years old. He's, he's been a guy who's sort of been in that six, seven mold his entire career, but he's got some upside to him. And I think if you're him, you see this opportunity to, you know, potentially put your stamp on a role, whether it's here long-term or somewhere else. And, you know, so far based on one game against the, uh, the Abbotsford Canucks, he looked really, really good, and him and Chris Tanev really seemed to find a lot of chemistry together. And mm-hmm. you know, that's that's the kind of thing you're hoping for. And you know, there's of of all the guys that, uh, especially the new faces that we saw, I think folks were curious about Sharon Govich, but I think folks had seen enough of Sharon Govich uh, over the last few years to kind of have a handle on him. But I think Australia is a little bit more of a of an unknown because yeah. of. You know the places he's played, and also sort of the the, the type of role he's played in those places. Uh, he has an opportunity to potentially grab hold of something here. And the other, and I, I want to be really co- clear about how I represent what um, Coach Ryan Huska said. He he dropped the name not as a comparison, but as a example of a type of player. Yeah. But and I, you know, could care less how many goals Coronado got last night. To me, it was all about the release, the release and where he goes, like his path to the net and where he is and the release. The release is world class. It is absolutely world class right now. Yeah. And and I think I if you look at all three of his goals, I mean, you know, his three goals were for those of you who didn't see the game. And if you didn't shame on you, because they only televise (laughs) like two preseason games a year. And it's always the Vancouver crew. But Uh, I, I like the Vancouver broadcast crew. Yeah. Uh. But the three goals, you know, you had a goal at the tail end of a power play where Zari and Coronado kind of lose a puck, but they battle enough to really force the, the defender to make a bad pass up the wall. And then as soon as the puck is up the wall to the to wrong guy, Coronado, sensing that something might be happening, just books it for the net. He gets a tip on the initial shot, and then he chips the, the puck over the, over the goaltender. Uh, his second goal... Is off a really nice play, a four check by Dryden Hunt. Dryden Hunt just gets a stick into a lane and just 
you know, causes poor Noah Juleson, who did not have a good night at all, to cough up a puck, and then Coronado is on a tee for him, and he, you know, you give him any chance on a gimme, and he'll take it. And then I think the third goal of the power play is probably the one that folks love the most, and it was, I think the one that got the most uh, chatter from him, folks after the game. Just uh, a quick pass over from uh, from the yep. slot, and you know, basically from uh, the faceoff dot to the goaltender's left. As soon as it's on his stick, it's off the stick and over the guy's shoulder. And you know, it's it's one of those releases. I know you know Ryan Huska invoked the name of Brett Hall, uh, yep. forever aflame Brett Hall, the guy That's that claims right. traded to St. Louis to win a Stanley Cup. Uh, and it it managed to you know if you're if you're Coronado, you probably love the comparison. If you're Coronado's representation, you probably love that comparison. <laughs> yes, and if you're right. honestly, if you're a Flames fan, I mean, the looking back to his draft year, even, even the year before his draft year, uh, you know, Coronado spent two years in the USHL and he had torn up, absolutely torn up the prep leagues he was playing in, in the New York state area. And the mindset was, well, you know, he's kind of smallish, but let's see how he does against other guys. No one ever disputed his ability to score goals, but just against these higher end junior players in the USHL, a very, mm-hmm. very good league up there with the, C- the three CHL leagues in terms of talent and ability to put guys in the NHL at this point. Yep. Yeah, can he can he do it in that good league? And in his draft year, he you know basically you know for the Chicago Steel, he he was unstoppable. Like he he just scored goals like people breathe air. And then it's like, oh, yeah, but can he do that in in the ECAC, which is a very defensively stout uh, collegiate league, uh, you know, on the East Coast uh, for Harvard. And not only did he score goals like people breathe air, he also learned to play center when he's not a natural center and also killed penalties and did a lot of other things. So Coronado is the type of guy like he he played a bit on the penalty kill uh, and on the power play against Vancouver. Uh, I'm very, very curious sort of how his role is defined as they go forth because he's one of those guys that can do a lot of things. And I think one of the big challenges I think the Flames faced under Daryl Sutter was, you know, uh, and I, I think the, I'll use a phrase that, uh, that Bradford Living used, uh, the, I believe the year before Daryl Sutter really came in and put a stamp on this team. Uh, I believe it was two or three years ago, Brad used the phrase, they relied on too few to do too much. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think they, the Flames at their worst have put a lot of their eggs into one or two baskets in terms of asking five or six or seven players to do a lot of different things. And, you know, if you look at the the, the players that the Flames have that have been able to do that, you can't you, you don't want to fault the players. The players are good. Like, do you want to use Elias Lindholm in every situation? Yeah. Elias Lindholm is really, really good. Mm-hmm. Is it the best use of Elias Lindholm? Well, if you can have him do a little bit less because you have a Pelche or a Coronado or a Sharon Govich or whoever that can play a little bit of those leverage minutes in specific situations, then you leave a little bit left in the tank for the power play yep. for the last five minutes of the game, those kind of things. Yep. And, you know, so those are the kind of guys I'm, I'm very curious to sort of see as the training camp and preseason season goes forth how do they define Sharon Govich's role? We saw him on the PK last mm-hmm. night. How do they define Coronado? He was all over the place. Pelche, who's playing, I believe, his first preseason game uh, this evening. Uh, there's a lot of guys who could do a lot of different things and have done a lot of different things at lower levels. Can they do it at the NHL level? And they can can they do it effectively enough that your key key players can do a little bit less? Yeah, and and, and that's to me is is pivotal but also necessary in the sense that you don't have that comment when that comment was made you had goudreau and kachuk yeah 
you don't. And, and, and at that know. point, you had Monaghan too, right? And now you got to do it by committee. And uh, to me, you know, just staying with Coronado for a second, I, I said this off the top. I was going to ask you this: um, in terms of offensive players, forwards that have you know young forwards that have come into camp and and forced issues and and really, you know, had results. Is Chuck Kobasu the last one? Because Chuck Kobasu had a big preseason, right? And that kind of forced him into the lineup. Yeah, I'd say that, I'd say that too. I think uh, to a lesser – actually, I'd, I'd also put, you know, Sam Bennett had a great uh, training camp yeah, with that's uh, true. a bum shoulder. And I think yeah. it wasn't until they basically had to flag him with a shoulder that they basically had to throw in the towel on him. Uh, Monaghan forced the issue. So did uh, Kachuk. But out, outside of outside of, you know, I'd say those three guys have the benefit of being like top six draft picks. Right. So outside of like the, the tippity top guys that you go, oh, top six guys, maybe they can get, make it right away. I think you definitely look to, you know, the days of like Saprikin, Kobasu, those guys in, in the early, early to mid aughts, because, you know, Coronado, he's, was he an elite collegiate player? He was a very good collegiate player. I think he was sort of a, a notch below the elite players, but I also think the fact that he was an elite player might allow folks to exercise a bit of expectations management because yes. I don't, I don't know if he's going to be a guy that comes in, like he's not Adam Fantilli. He's not going to come in and necessarily compete for the Calder. I don't think the same, I think the same thing's true for, for someone like Jacob Pelche, where Jacob Pelche was a very good QMJHL player, but not quite elite. He was a very good AHL player, not quite elite. Uh, he's, you know, in, in the role he was given uh, yeah. during his short NHL tenure last year, pretty good role player. And now the question is, okay, I, I think when you have those guys that have shown their ability to play those types of roles at lower levels and been very good in a niche, I think it's. I think it might be easier to a perform expectations management in terms of you know helping fans and and uh, and teammates and media mm-hmm. keep our heads above water in terms of what what they're what they can expect from them. But I think also for the players, I mean, you know, if you're Pelche, you know, Pelche's been a very good 200 foot player everywhere he's played, so you don't really need to reinvent the wheel with him. Same with same with uh, Coronado. I think if you look at the roles that Coronado played in college and said, hey, yep. you know what you did last year? Can you do that but in a different sweater? I don't think it's hard for him to really wrap his head around that. I don't get the sense that you're going to have these. Now we've got to teach him to play defense conversations, not to say that he's, that he's a a finished product or anything like that, but you know, and I know that there have been offensive players who come through the system, which, well, we'll look past that or we'll hide him or whatever. There's a foundation here with him, right. As a rounded player. Yeah. And you know, I, I think, I think it gives them more confidence in trying them out because, you know, I, th- I think the challenge with a lot of guys who, you know, we don't mean to be disrespectful when we call guys one dimensional because if you're a prodigious offensive player, odds are you never really needed to develop the shutdown side of your game because you spend all your time in the other zone. Yep. But when you are playing against the, the best players in the world, you know, yep. you know, th- this, the, the, the fourth line guys in the national hockey league folks are, guys that were the best players in their league in their town at every level they played at right they were you know 18 19 20 years old and then they learned how to do something really specialized at the nhl level so there's nobody bad in this level and so i think you know once once you get here you know you're you don't really have the ability to specialize necessarily to that level but if you're a kid if you have that uh, that defensive acumen to 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 lean off of 
you mm-hmm. know, lean on and build off of, it's really, really helpful because the coach doesn't need to necessarily put you with a, with a, a babysitter, so to speak. They can, you know, let you loose and let you do your thing. Tell me a story about Adam Klapka because I've known, he's, I've known about him. I've seen highlights, you know, saw him in Penticton, but last night he just seemed to be the biggest human being I've ever seen that. I don't know why, yeah. but he popped in that game. Like, I don't think I realized that he was that tall yet. All things considered, like a Zidane Chara gets around fairly well. He, I mean, he's he, not going to be confused for Kale McCarr, but he doesn't move like a big guy. That's a good okay. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, he's he's one of those guys that the the Flames uh, the Flames European scouts flagged him, and he came over because I think he wanted to try out something, and he has the benefit, you know, especially you know, I, I say this, he's a big kid, and he's still very young and pretty raw, but for the mm-hmm. age that he is. I think we underestimate how much pro experience he has because he played pro hockey at the, I believe the, the, uh, the secondary league in, in the Czech Republic. Uh, and I believe he played a little bit in the actual league too, but he's played okay. pro hockey. And I think when you're yep. playing pro hockey as a teenager, or as an early 20 year old against players in that league where, you know, the, the Czech league, everyone's very good. It's one of the better leagues in the world. Sure. And they're uh, man I, strong too, right? That, and that's the thing, because like if you're playing, if you're a 20 year old kid or a 19 year old kid and you're, big and built you can get around in the western league by bowling guys over in the quebec league and the ohl and so on even the USHL, you can get along by just bowling guys over because you can just be big and you don't need to be good and big you Mm -hmm. just need to be big and it'll make your numbers good yeah a guy that i think because he played so much against grown-ass men at a young age i think he learned how to use his bigness well and i think he learned not to only use his bigness and i think we saw it last year especially the second half of the year in in the ahl with the wranglers you know he had a hat trick in the last home game he was exceptionally good in that game uh but in in the last i'd say 20-ish games of the season he something clicked for him and he just sort of figured out where to go what lanes to be in how to use his size effectively and (laughs) ahl goalies hate him nhl ahl defensemen hate him i'm pretty sure everyone in that young stars tournament who played against them goalies and defense hate him but he's one of those guys that he does you know he uses his size so effectively that how do you move him like if you're playing on a power play and he's parked in front outside of you're the point man and you're going oh god i hope my shot doesn't hit klapka uh how do you move him so i think i think he's still scratching the surface in terms of what he can do and I think that's kind of an incredible thing for him because, you know, he's, he played, he's played one year in North America and he's already progressed this much. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he plays NHL games this year, if only because he, he's got the size, he's got yeah. the mindset, he's got the skill set, And, you know, he's the, I think he's the type of guy where I don't think that he makes the team out of camp. Uh, but I also think that he's one of those guys that, you know, he'll, he'll be a cut. They'll give him some video and some stuff to work on. He'll go down the hall and work on them for two, three months. And then by January, we'll see him again. And he'll be, he'll be even more effective than he was in the preseason. Well, you, this, this is how, this is how impacted I am by watching him in just one game. I would move heaven and earth to find out what it would take Thomas Holmstrom to come over here and spend two months, two months. Just come over here, live in Calgary for two months, and all you do is teach this kid how to stand in front of the goal. 
teach them exactly what made, because you're exactly right. In this NHL, how are you moving that? And, and if you can't move that, you're going to take a penalty. Yeah. And if, right? you, and if you're him, I mean, hell, if you're the Flames, if you're Kale McLean, if you're Jamie Pringle, I'd be, I'd be in the video room right now cutting Matthew Kachuk clips yes. in terms of his tips, yeah. in terms of how yes. much he used. I'll say, I'll say this. We're on the top, topic of, of great Czech players. Yeah. Yarmir Yager is back for another year because yeah. he's, you know, it's death taxes and Yarmir Yager and Kladno. Yeah. Uh, Yarmir Yager, the, he didn't play in Calgary for very long, but I noticed one thing he taught people was how to use your ass. Yep. And Yarmir Yager has that big butt. Yep. And he used his big butt so well protecting the puck that yep. for, for literally years after Yager went back to Kladno, you could see the Flames players, the young players who played with them, using their big butts as a way to protect the, the puck and use their length and use their your bodies to protect it. And I, I'd say get some Matthew Kachuk clips to to uh, to Klapka, but also show some show some Yarmir Yager clips because I think you know those guys don't nearly have the physical gifts or the length that Klapka has. And if Klapka, I still think Klapka is just scratching the surface of what he could be. Really. See, I, I, now in your work, do you know, is he a convert? Is this a defenseman that somebody made a forward? Cause I, I gotta, know. I gotta be honest with you. I, the, the, a forward that big, that thick, you, you know what I mean? I've seen yeah, tall. When, growing up, the tall kid, the tall, long kids used to be defensemen cause they could right. use their, use their, length their reach and, and everything like that. But he's thick too, right? Like he's not thin. Like he, he doesn't have chicken legs. Right? Nope, he's like a tree. Yeah. I, I I was just, I watched it. I don't know what it, it just popped last night because A, he can move. Now, nobody's going to, nobody's going to, you know, confuse him with Dylan Dubay or anything like that. But he's, you know, in all due respect and, and God love him. He's, he's in this city protecting us every day. Keegan Kanzig, the former Hitman defenseman. Like, you know, Keegan was a lot of things, but he was never going to be the fastest guy on your team. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll invoke the the name of Flames Nation founder, uh, Kent Wilson. Kent, I think Kent always invoked the the prototype that used to be, and it was, for some reason, I, I, I don't, again, I don't want to pick on Keegan Kansas, but he's the name that pops into mind. The term Coke machine was used. Basically, oh, uh, yeah. tall, wide players that yes. predominantly play defense, yes. they and they're really good at boxing guys out, but you know, much like a, a vending machine, they don't really move very fast. Here, I'll give but you a better one that because I like Keegan and he's protecting us as a member of the Calgary Fire Department. Chris Breen. Yeah, the, the Breen Giant. Yeah. Another again, big defenseman. Uh a, another guy that, that moved much better than he should have for a guy his size. Uh, I believe Chris Breen is still playing somewhere. I think he's in Europe now, but he was in yeah. the he was in the Bruins organization for a long while. He was captain for Providence, wasn't he? Yeah, good for yeah. he was a he turned it he turned it into a very good pro. Did, you yeah. know, didn't really get the NHL career that he probably could have had. Uh, but you know, a lot of guys. But I think yeah, that's that's the big thing. And I think you know, Hunter Smith is another one that sort of fits that archetype. Guys that are just big. oh, he this guy's better than Hunter Smith right now. Oh, easily, easily. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we're on the same page. Yeah. But you can and, you can sort of you can sort of see the archetype, and you know I I mm-hmm. think when when the Flames signed Adam Klapka, if you were a longtime Flames fan and you were just judging it based on the boxcar stats and based yeah. off of his size, there were there were people who were pretty skeptical, like you know loyal readers, listeners, viewers yep. that you know read the read the reports and went, huh. not here we one. go again, right? Here we go again. Yeah, uh, but I mean you know I'll be blunt. 
these types of guys are, you know, if they don't work out, you can sell me. We'll take a look and then we might sign them. And they signed a bunch of them. Some of them didn't work. I think, uh, you know, uh, David Wolf was a, a carryover from Brian Burke. Uh, I think technically he's the first guy that uh, True Living ever signed a GM. David Wolf did not work out. Uh, he left, went back to Europe. But uh, no harm, no guys, foul. They, yeah, like there's, there's guys that just you yeah. sign them, they don't work out. They either go back home or you send them to Rapid City. Uh, but if they work out, then you look pretty smart. And I think that's that's one of the things where, you know, you got 50 NHL contract spots to work with. And I think you'd be silly if you didn't spend one or two of them a year on these types of gambles. Yeah, because, I you agree. know, whether it's we talked about, you know, the definitely has been very effective at, you know, grabbing small dudes with insane offensive numbers in the late rounds. Uh, I think I think the temptation exists and probably should still be uh you know, you got to scratch that itch with some big guys too, because, you know, b- big guys can turn out, little guys can turn out. And, you know, if you, if you, if you use your roster spots effectively and you use your picks and your signing abilities effectively, you can find some of these guys where no one else can. I, you really got me thinking now about like, you know, developing him. Cause if he, if he can play in the NHL, can you imagine a third or fourth liner that could anchor your second power play? Cause you could, you know, he, he could be that guy, right. That just dominates in front of the, in front yeah. of the net. And Milan Lucic made a career out of that. Right. But was a frontline player too, in the middle of his career. Oh yeah. Right. No, I just, I, I, this is what game ones are about a little bit of dreaming and a little bit of what ifs and everything like that. But you know, you can't say, say you cannot teach size. Um, tell me about being around Ryan Huska. You're in those press conferences. I'm watching them. I like the answers. I he's not a dumb guy. This, yeah. is, this has been his dream. This is he's been building to this, but he has come and he has certainly put his stamp on th- being around. The, I don't know how to describe it, but it's just a, a 180 from the way it's been the last little while. I mean, he's one of those guys where he. I think he really likes just talking about the game and, mm-hmm. and talking about his philosophy. And, you know, I, I asked him on Saturday uh, before the sat, yeah Saturday before uh, after practice just about the special teams units. And he spoke a lot about sort of, you know, what didn't work last year and what could work this year. And he, he talked a lot about how, you know, he wants to sort of see what kind of creativity Mark Savard can build into it. And, yeah. you know, we, I think we saw a bit of that against Vancouver where, you know, there's, I think there's two power play goals and then two goals scored immediately after power plays ended. And there was a lot of puck movement, a lot of guy movement, a lot of energy, a lot of momentum. And it was one of those things where, you know, I, I think, I think if you look at a lot of the tweaks that the Flames have made, I mean, I think the big change from this year over last was uh, a move to a a zone system on the defense. And my opinion is I think that comes from how successful they were on the penalty kill because on the penalty kill, you're basically using – You have to. Yeah, you have to, but the Flames were so good at doing that. But I think, you know, if you're looking at the the guys that, you know, are building out of the the PK, you go, okay – Watch what they're doing, and then just sort of build on that. I think they struggled a bit with breakouts at uh, points against Vancouver, uh, so they're going to have to work on that. But I mean, you can make it makes sense to me, and you know, he's he's a yeah. guy that I think you know, if you and I became head coach and we said, "What do you want to copy from last year?" I'd say, "Can you can you figure out what worked on the penalty kill and expand <laughs> it to other parts?" And it seems that that's his philosophy. So yes, I I. I'm an unabashed fan of Ryan Huska, you know, as a person and as a coach, he's 
really personable. He really likes talking about the game. And he's the type of guy, like, you know, uh, anyone who hasn't seen it, go to the Sunday morning uh, scrum. I believe the, the Flames on uh, Carrie Flames TV posted on YouTube. Uh, his, his scrum discussions about uh, Adam Rizicka, just, you know, the opportunity in front of Adam Rizicka, he is both very complimentary of the player, but also, you know, sort of. Yeah, a little bit critical of the player, but he does it in a way that doesn't really bury the player. He just, you know, I I showed it to my wife. I said, "This is how Ryan Huska criticizes players." She's like, "That sounded really nice." Like he yep. spent eighty percent of the scrum talking about things that he's good at, and then went, "Yeah, but he has to be more consistent." It's like, "Yeah, okay." If I'm if I'm if I'm uh, Rizicka and I hear that, I go, "Okay, that's yeah, that's." I don't really feel bad after listening to it. I listen to the 80% of it that I agree with and go, yeah, yeah. Okay. I can see that. And you go, Oh, okay. Yeah. He's right about that. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely a change of tone. Uh, The answers we're getting are definitely longer. Uh, He answers in paragraphs, sometimes multiple paragraphs, but you know, I I think uh, (laughs) if you're someone uh, uh, in town, uh, regardless of your employment with the team as a player, as a media member, as a fan, you know, I I think fans are going to learn a ton about the game, about the people and about the players and about, anything you want to learn about from the game, just from listening to Ryan Huska's press conferences. And, you know, if you're, if you're someone that's just a hardcore fan and you just want to learn and you're excited about what's going on, I, I think you're at the very least, you're going to get your money's worth from listening to those press conferences. Mike Tyson has the great line. Everybody's got a plan until they're punched in the mouth. <laughs> right. And, and to me, I want to see what happens. You know, the, there's going to be, you know, that, that, it's not see what happens. That's just the next evolution of it. Okay, now how do you deal with something bad, or how do you deal with three or four games without a win, and and that sort of thing? It just it feels to it's weird. Like it 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 just like last night f- felt like elation, and I'm like, guys, it's first game of the preseason, and I'm not trying to burst anybody's <laughs> bubble. But, Are you trying to tell me that they're not relegating the Vancouver Canucks? Yes, I, 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 I don't know how they didn't. I mean, I, I like it. I like it. You're around it. You're closer to it than I am right now. And I'm watching from afar and I know that there are limitations there. I like what I see. But, you know, we, you know, because you've chronicled it. We have gone from ass kicker to ass kisser to hard ass to f- players coach. You know, it just seems like it's a constant pendulum around here. Good teams, bad teams, good it's, teams, playoffs. It's the, out. it's the three bears thing. You go from it is, you know, exactly. And I think, can you? Is there is there a middle ground that works, especially yeah. with that this new era of players? Where if you look at, you know, I, I I'm feeling old now because I'm older than everybody on the team. Thank you, Trevor Lewis, for leaving the club because now I'm the oldest. I'm older than anyone on the team, but it's it's one of those things where I think the the challenge will be and and ryan talked about this uh, the other day the accountability piece because in preseason when you're teaching when you're learning when you know nothing counts so the the mistakes don't matter yeah you can be everybody's buddy and you can be a teacher and you can be really you know really even-handed but i'm really curious on a on a team-wide level at the national hockey League level how the accountability piece works because we've Agreed. all we really we've heard quite a bit from Rasmus Anderson about how, you know, he and Huska in his first year, uh, Anderson's mm-hmm. first year did yep. not get along because the marching orders from the flames was basically be all over this guy. We think he's really good, but you need to ride him. 
And so he wrote them and, you know, they were critical of, of, you know, his consistency and his fitness and a bunch of things. But Anderson has said, basically, you know, in retrospect, he was completely right. It was exactly what I needed. And he figured out the right way and the right tone with Anderson, which is good. Can you do that at the national hockey league level when the, you know, the hopes and dreams of 1.5 million people are swinging with every win loss and overtime loss that this group goes through. It's true. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's it, a unique it's, situation. It's true. No, you it's, can, it's, it's a great, can, it's a great way of putting it. The things you can do in Stockton. I mean, bless their hearts. Uh, I, I got yeah. to know quite a many people, fans in Stockton and the, and the really nice folks that ran their Stockton franchise when the, the flames farm team was there. Uh, but Stockton is a, not a hockey town. It's, kind of a minor league basketball town now they also have a, a pretty decent bath they have a decent basketball team uh i think they have a few other minor pro teams there but it's really not a hockey town uh but you know you can you're basically operating in fairly you know significant anonymity there whereas here it's like you know i the people people in town here know who the wranglers players are yep. like people had nuanced opinions about the usage of mitch mclean last year mm-hmm so I think it, what, because of placement, you get more scrutiny. And I think especially the National Hockey League team gets a lot of scrutiny, regardless of things going well or not. And, you know, it's, it's, easy, to, it's easy to say it when people are you're saying, great job, welcome to, the, welcome to the club, congratulations in the grocery store. In the, the, the Ides of January, when it's cold as hell and people are grumpy and the team's on a three-game losing streak, the tone might change. And I'm very curious to see if the coach's tone changes at that point. Yep, me too. Good stuff, my friend. Um, what's going on at Flames Nation this week? How how are we covering said team? Games, games, games. The nice thing is, uh, you know, their games are being streamed. I think if you can't make it down to the dome on Monday night, the Flames are streaming that game. I be- I can't I can't recall uh, what's happening on Wednesday. I believe they're playing the Winnipeg Jets in Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe it's on TSN three, but I think the Flames may or may not be streaming that. They'll the keep your eyes out in the Flames social media because they're usually very good at announcing what they are and are not doing, but 960 also is carrying all the games and, you know, brand new brand new broadcast team, uh, two time Olympic gold medalist, Megan Mickelson has uh, joined Wilsey on the calls. And, you know, I got to hang out with Megan Mickelson a bit on the weekend. She's awesome. Yeah, uh, she's a she, great girl. Yeah. yeah. She's and a great broadcaster and oh, she knows yeah. her stuff. So she knows her stuff. And, you know, she's, she asked a couple of questions during one of the press conferences of the weekend. That was just such a good question. Like I, I, I think we're spoiled in this market because I learn things listening to media members, let alone you know, listening to uh, coaches and players. So I think uh, we're, uh, we're we're pretty well we're pretty well covered in that respect. But yeah, there's uh, Flames games two on Monday, one on Wednesday, one on Friday, and then uh, you know we're probably going to see some cuts tomorrow on Tuesday as they try to get uh, probably some of the extra bodies out of here, uh, yep. get down to more of a, a pro focused group, uh, probably some more cuts closer to the end of the month when uh, I believe Wranglers camp, I think opens in a week or so. And so you can need to send some of the AHL bodies down to the AHL club. So right, I think right now they have some like 64 players in camp. My guess is within a week, uh, we're probably somewhere into the low forties, high thirties. So uh, if you're one of those people who sees that list of names and goes, Oh God, I don't remember who any of these guys are. Don't worry about it. Yeah, One, don't commit it to memory the yet. Website, and two, uh, we'll tell you who you got to remember in a week. But yeah, it's, this is the fun time of year because there's there's a lot of interesting stuff going on. And, you know, with, you know, what, 
four games in a five-day span, uh, five games in a six-game span dating back to yesterday. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on, and uh, it's uh, it's like drinking from the fire hose all of a sudden. I love it. Thanks, brother. We'll talk to you next Monday, uh, and we will follow you at Flames Nation and FlamesNation.com. Thanks, Ryan. You, there you go. Ryan Pike joining us courtesy of Ski Sellers Snowboard. Bones and McLeod Trail locations are open right now. Still to come, Windsport and 17th Avenue in a little while when the when the snow starts to fly. But right now, you can get the best of the new stuff for this winter: skis, clothing, snowboards, uh, uh, snow skates. I keep saying them. I just want to say skate snows, but snow skates. It's all there. But better than that, it's the staff that can tell you how to use it, what to get, what you need. Ski Seller Snowboard, skisellersnowboard.com. Uh, we'll bring Jack into the conversation right now. Uh, we've been uh, collecting questions and comments, and uh, Jack, you've gone through them. What do you got for us today? We got a couple interesting ones here today. Perfect. Uh, a Murray Edwards hater. Okay. This is from Reese from Texas. Reese in Texas. Do you think if Murray Edwards ran his oil companies like he ran the flames, he would be bankrupt? Um, very interesting that that comes from Texas, uh, because I would point to Jerry Jones and whether or not Jerry Jones would run oil and gas companies like he runs the Dallas Stars. I would point to Mark Cuban. Um, and I, listen, um, no, I, I, I don't. I don't know what it is. I think you run into trouble if you try to run pro sports teams like regular businesses. I've been on the inside. Um, you know, I, there is a corporate portion of it, but it's not like other corporations. Uh, Murray, love them or hate them, good or bad or whatever, Murray wants to win. And Murray is not patient uh, and Murray makes changes and uh, uh, he blew my mind, absolutely blew my mind when he gave Daryl Sutter uh, an extension and then allowed the team to move on. Like he is paying for a coach to not coach here. And he's done that in the past. Keenan got paid not to coach and um, you know, others, I think Bob got caught, paid not to coach, and, uh, you know, on and on and on it goes. Uh, but to that end uh, I've always said, you know, and you, you see that with the Ottawa owner coming on board you know fresh days and everything's glorious and we're all happy but i you know all due respect you know when i first got here back in 2003 2004 i got thrown right in the middle of the fateri federick mess with the stampeders and it's always been my opinion you don't own a pro sports team you hold it in trust the city if it's successful the city owns it the city rallies around it the city pushes it forward you pay the bills, you have to, you know, deal with the legal ramifications, but you own it in trust. So to answer your question, no, you cannot run a pro sports team the same way you run a business. If you try to run a pro sports team the way you try to run a business, you end up with, um, you know, failure as well. Um, it's a, the, the best description I've ever had, ever had of anything is the description I got about officiating. You have to think about officiating a hockey game, a basketball game, a soccer game, football game the same way. You have a bird in your hand, and you need to keep it in your hand. You can't squash it because you'll kill it, and you can't open it up because it'll fly away. And it's the same thing when you own a team. You have to find the right, the right, uh, I don't know, the, the, the right chemistry. 
Next question here. Yeah. Are you confident that Jordan Osterley could be the sixth defenseman on this team for the whole season? Or do they need mm-hmm. to make him? Hmm. Hmm. More today than I was yesterday. Um, that when we heard the news last Friday that Oliver Shillington wasn't coming back. Uh, sorry, wasn't cleared. That's not right. Wasn't cleared. We don't know when he's coming back. Sorry, but he wasn't back. And I believe I said it that, you know, I I, I, I like Troy Stetcher last year. I just did. I, I thought there was a role for Troy Stetcher here, but that's not what Craig Conroy thought. That's not what the team thought. Um, I know of Jordan Osterley. He's been in the league. I, I, you know, I know of him as, as I would with any other casual observation that I make of players in this league. Um, I thought he was good yesterday, but again, who he was good against an American league team. Um, I want to see, I, I, he has to be, he has to be. Um, and you know, and it, it depends on where you sit on Hannafin too. Uh, I mean, you know, the short term or the long term, where are you going to go? Right. At some point, this team needs, you know, it's got Uyghur and it's got um, Anderson that are going to be around for a while. You know, Zadorov's got another year, I believe. Tanev is so that, you know, you hope Osterley turns into a good story, but I've seen enough training camp good stories that don't translate to the regular season. Right. So more so today than I did yesterday. But the, 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 the assignment is incomplete. I agree. A uh, similar question here for yep. someone. Uh, like, is it safe to assume or is it too early to assume that he will be the 60 man come opening day? Uh, yeah, I mean, you signed, signed to a very team-friendly contract. So, no, it's not safe to assume anything. But, um, you know, I, I'd like to know how much, you know, Dennis Gilbert is banged up, right? Yeah. Looked like a head injury last night, I think. Um, you know, want to make a you know want to make an uneducated guess, but um, if he's playing camp banged up, then it certainly improves the odds, doesn't it? A hundred percent. Yeah. Where will Matthew Coronado fit into this lineup? Second line winger. Ruzicka spot. Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of thinking that as well. Yeah. And then Ruzicka will probably be the fourth line centerman. Yeah. I mean. It, you like that flexibility, don't you? Mm-hmm. Of being able to move centermen to the wing and wings, you know, into the middle and that sort of thing. Um, I would not, although he'd have to play the same side. Um, but if you can play up the middle and you can play on the left side, I think you can play on the right side. Um, is it out of the realm of possibility they move him up there with Lindholm and and uh, Huberto at some point? Ruziska? No. Or- Coronado, Coronado. Yeah, I think so as well. And and the reason I say that was the comment that that Huska made about he can shoot the puck from anywhere, right? Mm-hmm. He, behind him, in front of him, to the side, and all those sort of things. Now, it's an awful lot to ask of a young player, but Lindholm is as good a solid player as this team has. Huberto, if he lives up to his expectations, should be a, an incredible disher. And then I, what I said I off the top, Yes, the release, but also the location of where Coronado is and where he goes. He knows where to go to score goals. And, you know, don't doubt Zary in that case, too, because I thought Zary was in the right place, too, last mm-hmm. night, right? Yeah, it kind of feels like Sharon Govich and Rajitska are going to get the first kind of crack yeah. to be in the top six. Yeah. 
Um, and then the young, if I, the, I'll the tell you this, will come up if, I'll tell you this. I like Sharon Govich is a penalty killer. Yeah. Any, anything else on top of that is a, is a bonus for me. I think. Next question. Mm-hmm. Are you okay giving Wolf another full year in the HL? Would it kill him? No. Would it affect you in the long term? Probably not. Is it ideal? It's not ideal, and it's not ideal for this reason. You want, in this day and age, it's a young player's game. You want young players to know there are opportunities to earn spots on this club. And I only know this because I know there has been frustration in the past with the use of some young players because then it gets brought up and thrown in the face of the, you know, the team as they're trying to recruit others. Geez, we saw how you developed this kid. You know, we didn't like that or we don't want to go through that. We'll go here or man, we really appreciate the opportunity you give kids. Dan Vladar has done nothing to lose the job. It's not like Dan Vladar is, I, and I've said this before, I think Dan Vladar could go somewhere and he could evolve into a number one too. I think the Flames have potential for three number ones. I think Markstrom can have a, a bounce back. I think they're sitting on the best young goalie prospect in hockey. And Dan Vladar could be a number one. Maybe not, but could be. Um, so is what was the question? Could he? Or would it be the worst thing? Or how did they, what yeah, was the, where they're looking for? Are you like, okay, if he's just in the A the whole year, he doesn't play at all in the NHL this year? No, I'm not okay if he do- doesn't play. They, this kid, I think you have to show, you have to show some faith. He needs to be rewarded. Um, and you also need to know if he can do it. You also need to know if you can if he can do it. This organization has had all-star goalies at the American Hockey League level before that have not translated to NHL starters. And I'm not taking a run at anybody, but that's the truth. Now, Curtis McElhaney turned out to be a very valuable backup and a Stanley Cup champion. Brent Cron got sidelined by injuries and got, you know, screwed around. Um, I believe Leland Irving, I think Leland Irving was a, an, an all-star. But no, I, 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 he has to get some games, but, but him starting and finishing the American hockey league, I don't think it's the end of the world. And it would be a real test of the kid's moral character because how would he handle it? So if you're Huska, how are you, how are you breaking down this three goalie tandem? And how many games are you giving Markstrom, Vladar, Wolf? Is he getting five, 10? If it's a three goalie system, Markstrom gets X. You need to determine what X is. 50 games. Vladar gets Y minus Z. So, you know, if if Markstrom's getting 45 games, that means there's 35 games. So Vladar gets 35 minus 10. Uh, You know, that's my answer to the question. I believe that Vladar will be gone at some point. I, I just believe that. That was another question here. If, if like Wolf starts the season strong in the preseason and he plays a game and he's really good, do you just get rid of Vladar? No. You can't? No, because you have that rare asset control with Wolf. And why would you give up an asset in Vladar? You know, 
I know everybody rushed to Colorado. Franzus is not, you know, he's not going to be there for 20, 30 games. And, but I, I've been around, Craig Conroy's been around, Ryan Husk has been around, the agents have been around. In the next two weeks, there's, there's injuries that are going to happen. There's going to be uh, things that are going to happen. There's going to be uh, demotions. There's going to be surprises. There's going to be heartbreak. Uh, I just don't think we know what's a, what the, the, the landscape will look like um, 48 hours, 72 hours before the start of the NHL season. Last question for you. Yep. Will Daryl Sutter yeah. coach in the NHL again? No. I think he, I think, no. No. I think he'll be in the NHL. I think there's a role for Daryl Sutter. Remember, he was in Anaheim prior to coming here as an as a um, you know as an advisor. Um, I think there's a lot to to get from Daryl Sutter. No, I I don't. Yeah, I don't think he coaches again. I don't think so either. Okay. I could see it. Yeah, I could. Maybe I, if it, there's a team, it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me if there's a team like LA ten years ago that is on the cusp and, yeah, and, and not can't and he can push him over the hump. But that's what they thought here, right? Yeah, that's what they thought here. And in the in year one, he won the the Jack Adams. It looked like he would. It looked like they were right, right? Yeah. <sighs> Thank you, Jack. Appreciate that. No problem. A uh, couple things to uh, take you home with tonight. Uh, well, let's stay with that. Thank you, Jack. Part. I do want to thank Jack. Uh, he went above and beyond on Friday. And uh, if you have not heard the uh, conversation with. Uh, Sven Berchi, it's worth your while. The former Flame first round pick was honest. He was really insightful. Um, he was just, I knew he would be good, but he was really, really good. And uh, I think if you're a Flames fan, you want to hear that conversation. I really, really do. Also, very proud to announce that the general manager of the Calgary Flames, who I've already said, uh, do not expect really good cutting edge commentary from me on him because he's a friend of mine. Uh, we will be uh doing our i think it's our 13th let's talk hockey for the prep program uh but we have a date so craig conroy and i are hosting on uh november 28th at the saddle dome um we're not going to have any problems getting guests this year he's the gm so anyway uh go to prep program uh the website and you can get tickets they're already available um, it's a dinner. We got a silent auction, the whole nine yards. It's a lot of fun. If you've never been to this event, it is a ton of fun. So it, tickets are now on sale. So go to prep program and, uh, the prep society, and you can buy the tickets right off the website. And finally, one week from today, hockey inspires leadership coaching edition, uh, year two for hockey Calgary. Uh, Jody Carrington is going to be one of the speakers uh, if you've never heard Dr. Jody Carrington, uh, she's an incredible speaker, um, and this will have to do with relationships and uh, and trauma-informed coaching. Uh, but we've got great Steve Hamilton's going to be there. Uh, Marco Carducci from the Cavalry is going to be there. Uh, all kinds of great guests. And Sandra Persina, the voice of the Wranglers, is going to be the MC. So if you're a hockey coach, register today. Go get more information at hockeycalgary.ca. That'll do it. We're back on Friday. And then next week, back to three days a week. One week from this Wednesday, Peter Marr joins us. And a week from Friday, Eric DeHatchuk. Thanks to Lyle Peterman. Thanks to uh, our good friend, Ryan Pike. And thanks to Jack, our outstanding producer. We'll see you on Friday. Have a great week, everybody.